Stephen Sully here, returning to the Stephen Sully study at Woodbury House. I've got my next guest coming on shortly. A street artist goes by the name of Nathan Bowen. Um, I've discovered Nathan um, over the last probably 12, 18 months. Simply working in Soho, you see a lot of street artists putting up um, some of their work. And the one that stands out for me probably the most were these two. There was um, Tom Blackford, who I interviewed, really cool guy. I love his work. And then also this guy, a guy called Nathan Bowen. And from Charing Cross to Soho uh, to Tottenham Court Road to even Bromley South train station, weirdly enough, I recently moved out my house to renovate it uh, back to my parents' house. And when I was catching a, a black taxi, I went past a shop which was being done up. There was a um, clearly a builder's working on it and he had done up the front. And I thought this guy really works hard um, to get his work out there. And I'm not too sure how successful he's been as far as like finances or being snapped up by a gallery's concern. But I'm very interested to talk about not only just his work and what spies, inspires his work, but actually what gives him the fuel to go out there and do his public art. I know artists find it very, very difficult to break through from just street artists into the common uh, commercial scene. And that's where the money's made. Um but it can be done. People like Banksy, people like Richard Hamilton, clearly, uh, uh, and, and also Damien Hirst and people like that, they've, they've all had to start somewhere and they've all had to break up the mold, so to speak, into the more commercial market. So what I like about interviewing these artists who are on the rise, they, they've clearly got talent, they've clearly got a vision for the future, they've clearly got a product, and I want to see what their mindset is like and then maybe once they break through commercially maybe do a second part of the of the interview maybe in a couple of years time and see where he's at um i really like his work uh, what i've seen on his instagram i like his uh, vision i like his uh, work ethic and, and no doubt he's probably going to have some very very interesting stories to support him as an artist and support his his, his work um stay tuned please leave a co um, comment leave a, a review regardless whether you like the podcast interview or not. Uh, every little helps, every f bit of feedback I, I take in consideration. And always remember to be happy, never content. Hi guys, it's Stephen Sully here. Welcome back to Stephen Sully's study. Hope you've been getting value every single Wednesday from my podcast. I try and do my absolute very best to bring you value, bring you some good content, and more importantly, some very, very good guests. Next guy, next to me, a guy called Nathan Bowen. Um, someone that I've been following, not just um, no, physically, because I've been seeing his stuff on the walls of, of London and the suburbs of London, but someone I've been following on social media. And I thought it was only right for me to hit him up and get him on the podcast to not only talk about his work quite naturally, but my podcasts are all about mindset. They're all about, you know, the reason why people do certain things. And I know being a athlete, being a salesperson or being an artist, it, you know, very, very difficult um, you know, professions to follow. And I always admire these people that are go-getters and Nathan's definitely a go-getter. I've seen some incredible stuff. We've been having a quick conversation and I know someone's got a vision for the future. So my next guest, Nathan, thank you very much for coming aboard, bro. Thanks, Steve. I really appreciate it. And uh, I hope you like Woodbury House. I hope yeah. you like our space. Yeah, it's lovely. Um, we're always looking for new talent. We're looking for new people that have got a vision. We're looking for people that, um, you know, uh, you know, are 
uh, sync with our brand as well. So I wanted to have a brief chat about your background, where you come from, how you started, and, and, and your vision for the future, basically. Yeah, nice. So um, let, let's start. Let's start from the beginning then. So I know you're from originally South London. Yeah, South East. Yeah, Catford. Yeah. So I've seen your work in Charing Cross. I think that work was up there for a long, long amount of time. I think they lacquered it or protected it because it, yeah, yeah, they had. Um, so to describe to the audience, there's uh, it's almost like and I hope I'm not misleading or. Uh, disrespecting how how I see it, but I'm just speaking honestly. It's like scribble almost, yeah. Um, pop art almost, yeah. More like freedom art, uh, you know, looseness. Um, so yeah, you know, sketchy, scribbly lines. Um, because I gave up the idea of perfection. Didn't want perfection in my art. I love that. Uh, made me stressful. I wanted <coughs> I wanted art to be free and fun. So I came up with the loose lines. Uh, yeah, it was back in the day. It was 2007. I was in Falaraki. Went on a boys' holiday. <laughs> and it must have been the last couple of days of sitting by the pool. And uh, yeah, man, I was just like, all right, I want to do some drawing. So I got a piece of paper, got a biro pen and started this loose, sketchy style. So my previous styles before that was always like portraits, still life, very like traditional artwork. Right. Um, using oil paintings. Yeah. And I don't know, this one time I just had this loose feeling of like, yo, I've got, I've got this biro pen. I just, I just want to start sketching and start scribbling. So I came up with my first character and um, the response I got was good. People were like, yo, man, that's, wow, that's good. People walking past in the pool thinking, man, that's, that's really good stuff. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to take this, this sheet of paper back home to England and um, I'm going to pursue this style, you know, this, this loose, sketchy style. And so at the time I was at St. Martin's University uh, doing fine art. Where is uh, St. Martin's? Well, it used to be uh, around the corner, uh, Charing Cross Road. Okay. So they've got like different sections. They've got like the graphics bit, the fashion bit, and the fine art bit. Okay. So I was doing the fine art. And uh, yeah, man, um, I took it, I, t- I had my final year and decided to make, th- make this sketchy style proper, like, you know, in, make it like out there. Get it, you know, get it drawing quickly, get more and more pieces done, and it made it into a project of my uni. So that's how it sort of expanded from that holiday and then pursuing it onto university afters. It's mad, isn't it? Because like sometimes one, I have a small bit of inspiration, one small idea, yeah. one small experience can actually lead into changing the course of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I say to people all the time, uh, explore ideas, go to different parts of the world, get around quality people because yeah. that one conversation can lead into something great and clear example that you had a kind of a job or theme to your work or how you done stuff maybe wasn't quite in sync with who you are yeah and you come up with something rough got a good bit of feedback and now here you are you know and like i say like i'm not just saying it because you're sitting here but i literally always used to look at your work going past i i used to look forward to walking home to charing cross and walking past your work and yeah. a bunch of times i've done a, a video i took a photo of it put it up on my Insta and I was like, this is really, really cool stuff. Yeah. And I agree, it's not perfect, but that's the point. Yeah. Life isn't perfect. Drawings aren't perfect. Yeah. And, and it's the paradox between, you know, so many people want to do their work perfectly, but you, 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 you know, it's hard to find perfection, really. Yeah. Our wellness company, actually, Mimboso, our, um, 
which Chris is a part of who's filming us today, um, our catchphrase, our line is to pursue to perfection in the 21st century. You're never going to get perfect, but you can yeah. pursue it every single day. Yeah. So, um, so I've seen it in Charing Cross. I've seen it in Soho near Tottenham Court Road. Yeah. And I also walked out of Bromley South once and I, I saw your work down there. And what struck me straight away was, damn, this guy gets around. You know, he's really on his hustle. He's really on his work ethic. And he really wants to make a mark in, his, in the street art scene. Yeah. Um, how important is it for you to work really hard and get your work out there? Um, it's, it's, it's very important to me because uh, I would say it's like, it's like I'm haunted, you know? Um, it's haunted as in like, I'll be at home chilling and I'll be like, oh man, always thinking of ideas, things to do. Sort of like feel guilty chilling at home, watching TV. Oh, I know that feeling. Yeah, you're yeah. good, isn't it? Um, so, for, so yeah, I'm always thinking, oh, what's the next piece? So I, I, I like, that's what I like to go out. I like to go out, uh, see life and see what walls there are. Um, so we, you know, we call it a recce. We go out and have a recce. Uh, the recce is like looking for walls to paint, uh, go out on a BMX, take the dog out. And yeah, if I find walls, then yeah, put that, put that down in a notebook. And then that's the wall to do. So like uh, when I saw the, uh, the wall by Trafalgar Square, opposite the National Portrait Gallery, I saw that wall and I was just like, yeah, man, like I was, I was like, I want to hit this wall. Do you, do you have to like get permission or you just go hit it ahead and do it? Um, I just go and do it. Mainly, yeah. I mainly just go and do it illegally. I just see the wall and I mainly do it in a day, wear a high-vis jacket. <coughs> wow. And, and whatever happens, and, happens. And no one touches you usually when you've got a high-vis yeah, jacket? Yeah, nine times out of ten, you're cool. There's always a one time out of ten, you might get the occasional police that might stop. But on the whole, you're fine. No, 95% of the time, you're right. But there's always that five percent of risk because that um, that that piece in Charing Cross stayed up for so so long. Yeah, it was up there for can I, can I say months? Yeah, that, well you know what it was up for. I'd, so I did that piece April two thousand eighteen, and I think they took it down like August uh, two thousand nineteen. So about a year a year wow. and a few months, isn't it? Yeah, it's quality. And what did they do? They put some sort of like plastic over it. Yeah, protecting over it. So um, the, so they, 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 I mean that must that must resonate with you that they they valued your work. Yeah, so I got in contact. They contacted me. Sorry. Uh, yeah, they contacted me. Um, the company was called uh, Wilmot and Dixon, and they're you know, a big uh, corporate building company. And they liked what I'd done. And um, I, I managed to meet the owner of the whole that whole building. And um, she 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 said, "Oh, could you do me a commission?" So the owner of that whole building, the whole project. Um, yeah, I could. I did a commission for her. I did a. I did a little uh, sketch of her uh, in my style on canvas. So yeah, she she loved it. So yeah, the whole the whole company they they loved the work, and I guess why I guess that's why they protected it because they they, they they appreciated it. Yeah. Um, normally that doesn't happen. Normally like the companies will either paint over it or they'll just leave it, but they wouldn't really put plastic over it. They yeah. wouldn't go to that extreme. That's quality. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was yeah, decent. Yeah, that must have made you feel good. Yeah, I was like, whoa, man, like, they put plastic over it? That's nice, like, I felt like, yeah, man, like, they're protecting my work, because work gets vandaled a lot. You get haters, you get uh, all the graph write, graffiti writers that want to come and bombard and stuff. <coughs> happens, but um, you just fight through it, innit? I, saw, I always see, like, most um, street artists, like, tag their own name or their Instagram handle, which I think is wise to do, because it's a form of marketing. But do you ever get like people uh, like literally co 
contact you. Well, I guess you, you do because you just described it, but they will contact you by seeing something on the building site, seeing something on the wall, and just saying, hey, Nathan, I've noticed your work a few times. Can I get something commissioned? Yeah, that's what happens. That's, that's, that's how it works, man. Because you've grown your Instagram account to like 10,000 almost? Yeah, almost there, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's um, for me, it's, you know, it's not even about that. Like, I only joined, I'm, I'm a late Instagrammer. I joined Instagram like 2015. Um, one of my artist mates, Otto, he was on it like 2013. And he was telling me, yo, bruv, man, you need to get on this, man. Like, you know, he's, you know I don't even have a smartphone. I, I, yeah. I, I, I got a Nokia and um, I use a tablet. So that's my, that's my gate. My tablet is my gateway to the online world. You know, it's Facebook, Instagram. So even, even back in them days, I never even had a tablet until 2015, it was Christmas time, and my mum bought me a tablet. So I was like, oh, my mum bought me a tablet. Like, I was like, right, this is a sign. Like, <laughs> my parents bought me a tablet. Cool, maybe I need to get on Instagram. And that was, so that was Christmas time, and it was only in May, like literally May, I finally had the balls to get on Instagram. Because my mate was like, yo, he does art as well. And he said, yo, man, just do it. So yeah, like it's not even about having like the fans or the followers. Um, Instagram, I like Instagram because uh, I could keep a tag on my work. So I do a street art piece. I, I write my name at Nathan Bowen Art. People mention me in their stories. So with that way, it sort of tracks my artwork. They take photos. I can see the state of my artwork because there's been many times where people taking a photo of my artwork, tag me in the post, and then I've, I've seen a bit, of ta- a, a, graph, a bit of graph on it or a bit of tag. I'm like, oh, right, cool. So I use Instagram as like a tracking device. Yeah, it's sort interesting. Of tracks my work. Yeah. Um, see, it's been vandalized almost. Exactly. Yeah. So I, that's how I see it. Um, so yeah, all, all, like so when people like when my fans, when my followers go up, it's just organic from like people just seeing it. I hardly, I don't, I hardly follow any other people. I hardly go on Instagram to to look at things anyway. Um, I should more because there's plenty of art shows on. There's plenty of things going on. And it's good to go to these art shows and socialise. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I need to sort of get out of that, sort of that, that cage of not being on Instagram and just get over it and just do it. Yeah. And I might get a smartphone as well. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I, I talk to so many of my guests about the, almost the um, mad paradox between, you know, having social media, having real life, and there's so, so much like uh, mental issues that are, are attached to like social media and the internet these days. And I, th- I feel like if you use it too much, you can get pulled into a, an artificial world and you can get distracted or it can make you yeah. kind of like follow the Joneses or, you know, you're, 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 you're not focusing on the real life. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you know, we got a business here and we're trying to generate um, sales because of our followers, because of the content we put up. So it is a way of marketing, advertisement, yeah. and also form of sales. Have you found that you do make sales because of it? Yeah, definitely. Um, so so um, it's only, what, a year ago um, I found out. It's only a year ago I found out you get like message requests on Instagram. On the, do, you know, do you know when you go on Instagram and it's on the top right? Um, uh, DMs, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, so like, also been on it previously for three years, um, you know, just doing posts and stuff. I never knew, like, I never knew I was getting all of these DMs. And I only got a few DMs from people I know. Yeah. And so it was only a year ago, I was at my mate's house, and my mate was like, yeah, man, because my mate does art, and he was like, yeah, man, I got a few messages about my artwork. And I was like, oh, cool, man, like, who's, who's messaging you? He's like, yeah, man, I got a few messages. And I'm like, you? I'm like, cool. So I said to myself, well, I don't really get much messages on Instagram. Um, yeah, strangely enough, yeah. 
that's just weird. And he goes, mate, you must do. And he goes, mate, do you know about the message requests? I was like, no. And he's like, mate, if you just look to the top right of the, the, the screen, you see your message requests. And that, at the time I looked, it was like 41 requests. Jesus. <laughs> like, God. And he goes, yeah, it only lasts a month. So like, you know, you have a month, all you have all your requests in a month, then after a month it gets So you could add a lot more than that. Oh, I had, so basically, yeah, man, I had, basically I, I had three years of uh, requests I didn't do because I didn't Jesus. know how to use it. That's, that's, that's how much of a tech, a tech, I'm not a technophobe, but that's yeah. how much like, you know, technology to me, I don't really know about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, someone should have gave me an Instagram in, uh, induction. I didn't get that. I was just like, all right, cool. I just use this thing. All right, you post stuff, you follow people, they follow you back. That's how it works. But yeah, there was a whole new ball game. <coughs> so it was only a year ago I realized I was getting message requests. And then suddenly I started like, yeah, like seeing, foreseeing those. And um, yeah, I was like, wow, I missed out on like three years worth of uh, message requests. People must have thought, wow, this guy's, this guy ain't replying back. So yeah, it's only a year ago I started properly using it. So um, yeah. So you've had a few commissions at the back end of that. Oh, loads, man. But what made me happy was I don't really care about all those backlogged three years of messages I missed out on. It, it, it proves that I don't need that. Yeah. It proves that I, you know, I, I, I lived completely without that message requests and all those opportunities I missed out on. So yeah, it proves that you know, I, I just do it without it. So could you? So was you making money just purely on the um, your website? Yeah. And, and people that you know in a private yeah. network? Website and private networks, yeah, and, and Facebook as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that was it, yeah. Then, cool. Then boom, the, realised the message request, then yeah, tongue getting more and more stuff because it'll be <coughs> Instagram, innit? So what would you say you sell more of, like the original artworks or limited editions? The reason why I'm asking this question as well is because we as a business are going through a bit of a transition and predominantly we sold most original works of a few street artists from, yeah. from New York. Um, but we want to go down more like the merchandise limited dishes, the more affordable art, because we know it, not everyone can afford a 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 pound piece, mm. but they can afford probably a hundred pound piece, 200 pound yeah, piece, 500 yeah, pound yeah. piece. What would you say uh, you're, you're selling more, the most of? Yeah, more affordable stuff. Um, definitely, to the mass yeah. market. Yeah, because I, like I, like, I like my work to appeal to everyone. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I, I don't think, uh, you know what, I don't even you know, look up to selling work for, tens and hundreds of thousands. I want my work to be in, 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 I want every household to think, all right, you know what? When I've got the time and money, I could buy a Nathan Byron piece. Yeah, I want every household to feel like that. I want, I want my work to be a, a household thing, rather than like only the rich or the elite have it. You know, so like if, I'm, if, I'm, if I inspire to sell work in the next three years, that's gonna be 10,000 and above. No, I don't want that. I want, I, I'm happy to sell work for 30 quid, 20 quid, 10,000 pounds, 20,000 pounds. But my, my artwork is a whole wide range. It, it appeals to everybody, the rich people, the poor people, students, the kids, whatever. That's so uh, yeah, so I don't have that. Yeah, I don't inspire to have, yeah, I want an agent. I want, you know, I want to be selling work for, you know, yeah, tw 20 grand minimum. No, I don't inspire <coughs> to that. Money was never a, a thing for me. It was always like, yeah, doing the art. I came from originally, uh, I did, I did graf uh, graffiti when I was uh, 15, 16. Tagging and uh, dubbing. Yeah, got arrested. I was, only, I, was, I was the only member of my crew to get arrested. And um, yeah, that was, so I was 16. And that's the time when you, when you get arrested, they, they tell your parents. So yeah, they, they tell my mum and dad. And um, yeah, I, my dad didn't talk to me for a whole week. But that, it, was that, it was that negative feelings that made me think, you know what, I want to do, I want to 
be positive about my artwork. I want, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking, you know what? Forget this graffiti stuff. I want to go uni. And that's what made me decide I want to go St. St. Martin's Art College. And yeah, so I gave up the graffiti, gave, all, gave up those late nights, sneaking out of the house three in the morning with the hood up. I just thought, you know, I'm just going to do some fine art and then see where the future takes me. But my original, my original plan was to be a cartoonist. That was my original goal. So like, while I was in uni, <clears throat> I was doing my artwork in uni thinking, you know what, I want, after uni, I want to get a job in like cartooning or animation. Um, that was my original plan, but that never happened. Well, and, and sell your images or your, um, yeah, your images to like films and stuff or cartoons? Is that what you wanted to do? Yeah, so it was more like, if you think about like, um, like how you were saying earlier, like, you know, trying to make a living out of art, it's hard. So, uh, what, what, so as an artist or someone who's trying to make a living out of it, what's practical out in art? Cartoons, uh, stuff like um, doing art, artwork for schools, uh, workshops. That, that's, that's the sort of practical art. I didn't really think like to myself in the future, I'll be selling my own art, like my own characters. Mm. I didn't believe, I didn't believe that was doable, like, you know, to sell your own artwork. Mm. I always believed you had to work for like an art company, whether it's a cartoon or an animation, you know, work for Nickelodeon, yeah. Walt Disney. Yeah. Those like big commercial places, they'll give you like a nine to five in cartooning. That's what I was sort of after, you yeah. know, doing, doing yeah, art in schools or cartoons. That's wicked. Yeah, well, I think what that demonstrates as well and what that testament to the fact that one, you've got to have a goal. Two, you've got to really work hard for it. But three, your goal might slightly tweak or change during your journey. Mm. And I don't think that's a bad pro that, that's, that's a problem. Yeah. I just think that if you're willing to accept that, if it's slightly over here, slightly over there, but you're going to become a success if you work really hard at it, having a bit of a tweak to your goal is, is you know, is, is going to happen every so often. But the people that don't get anywhere in life are people that don't set goals. And you clearly, doing graffiti, got in trouble. Yeah. I got, I used to get in trouble as well back in the day, not for graffiti, but doing other, some random stuff when I was younger. Yeah, Funny yeah. enough with the Ravenswood kids, because they used to hang about with them. Yeah. And, um, and I feel that learning from them experiences and then thinking, right, this is what I want to do in a positive way. You know, it would would uh, it will map out your life slightly, and yeah. then you can pursue a certain career. So let me talk about. I was going to talk to you about this at the start, like from the beginning, then, because I said that salespeople, if you're going to pursue sales, if you're going to pursue sport, being an athlete, yeah. or if you're going to pursue being an artist of some kind, whether that's canvas artist, street artist, sculpture, fashion, fashion, it's a fucking hard, hard thing to get into. Yeah. And I always question. But I also admire, but question, why the hell would you want to be a salesperson? Why the hell would you want to be an athlete? Why the hell would you want to be an artist? What um, possesses you to become that person? Because it's such a fucking hard career. Mm. But if you make it, you can make it big. Yeah. So why, why did you pursue being an artist? Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's, it, I guess it's because like, having so many different jobs, like, I used to work in Waitrose. Um, this is when you come out of Ravenswood, you said? Um, yeah, I mean, I, just, I think I was, no, I, was still, I was still in Waitrose. I was, so I, I was in Waitrose 2003. So I, I think I was, I was in my final, I was in my, yeah, I was in my first year of sixth form. Okay. But that was my final year because I left sixth form a year early. I didn't do uh, the, the, the two year AS. The A levels. Yeah, I, yeah. I just did one year of AS and I got in St. Martin's a year early. So I got in St. Martin's when I was 17. And um, yeah, so like um, 
I got fired from Waitrose like years later, but working, doing jobs in like Waitrose and that, I just thought, nah, man, like, this ain't, this is rubbish. Like, um, and doing other jobs like customer services, um, all those jobs, I had a boss, all those about a boss. I had someone to report to, I had someone telling me what to do. Um, so what made me like, you know, desire the, 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 the hunger or, you know, the thirst for doing like, art or any sort of creativity, which involves me being my own boss. Yo, I'm doing that. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it was like, you know, the main idea was not to be my own boss, but just to do artwork, just to be creative. Yeah. yeah I, I didn't want to do, I didn't want to stack shelves for the rest of my life. Yeah, I didn't want to um, do customer services. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm haunted, so art is always in me. <coughs> Every time I do these jobs, I'll be thinking about art. I'll come home, be straight on the art. So yeah, um, it was just what made me want to do like this hard art career was just, yeah, that, that, that drive in me, got so much drive in me and you know, so much of that haunting energy that I just need to release it. Yeah. Um, it, yeah so yeah, it's not, it's not a curse, but it's, it's man, like, yeah, it, 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 it never leaves me. It's like you're possessed. Yeah, all the time, I love it. But um, constantly thinking about street art spots, so now once a week, I go and check my walls because they get vandaled every once in a while. So now what I do now is once a week, I check my walls. So I just go to like All Gate or wherever my wall is, uh, Central, and just check it. And um, yeah, then that's how I remain top of it. Because my artwork is, um, I enjoy doing it. But when someone comes and vandals it, I just think, mate, that's, that's just taking a mick. So um, I see it as a war. I've got a war between these uh, graph guys. These graph guys, uh, you know, see me making a name for myself. And, and they um, want to discourage you by going over it. Yeah, they want to discourage me. And also they want my spots. I get the hot spots. But I find them, I don't get given them. I find them myself. So these graph guys should really like think, yo, this, this Nathan Bowen guy, maybe we should talk to him and ask him where we could find some walls. Why hate, why hate me for that? You know, instead of, instead of working against each other, work together. So yeah, I find myself, you know, I've got this war now with these graph guys and um, that's fine, we take on the war. But the way I win the war is by remaining on top. So checking my walls maybe once a week, every 10 days. Because if you get into the habit of checking your walls like once every two, three months and you come back to your wall and it's been vandalized, you don't know how long it's been like that for. So uh, what would you do if it's been vandalized? Would you update it? Would you, would you repair it? Mm. How'd you go about doing it? So I've always been vandalized. Yeah, just touch it up. Just uh, whatever bit's been messed up, <coughs> clean it up, paint over it, and just do it again. But uh, touch, I find touch-ups now, I call them touch-ups. Touch-ups now are minor. I do them so quickly. Been doing it for years. But when I first was doing touch-ups, it was like, oh man, this is annoying. Like, I've, got to do that. I've got to do all those lines again, paint that bit again. But now touch-ups, it happens so often that, boom, man. Uh, oh yeah, mate, yo, your walls down Soho, it's been vandal, man. Cool, bruv. Why don't you let me know? Yeah. Onto that. And yeah, clean it up. So are you getting like, because uh, obviously I, I recognise your art, like clear as day. I, I'll look at one and go, that's Nathan Bowen, like straight away, which must be a nice feeling to have because yeah. it's like that retina over there. You know that's a retina. When I go past anything in predominantly America and I see that, yeah. retina, straight away. You yeah. just know, Hamilton. So it's almost like that is your brand by your style most. But you as a person, I kind of actually, I kind of had a vague idea what you look, look like, but not completely. Yeah. Because I've only seen a couple of little images from you very, very quickly on your stories and stuff. 
So now people are getting to know you as a person. Yeah. Is that quite a nice feeling as well? Where they come over to you and go, hey, Nathan, like, this is what's happened to your wall, or can I get a commission, or yeah. can, I get, can I get something signed? Yeah, it's interesting because, um, yeah, people don't really think, like, people think, people see my work and see my name, Nathan Bowen. They, they don't think, like, uh, you know, you don't feel like, they see me and they think, well, I didn't expect you to look like that. So I met this woman the other day. Um, He's at a gallery show and um, she's chatting away and she goes, oh, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I'll just do art. And I gave her a card and she's like, oh, oh wow, you're Nathan Bowen. Uh, she's like, she, I was like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, wow, you know what? I thought you was a 55 year old white man. Uh, I was like, oh, how come? She's like, I don't know. I just didn't expect you to look like the way you are. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, that's, yeah, I, I, I said to her, that's interesting. Um, I don't know what it is, but mostly the name Nathan Bowen is because it's such a Welsh name. Um, <laughs> my full name is Nathan Lloyd Bowen, and uh, that's, yeah, that's that's proper Welsh. But my family's like from Barbados and Jamaica. But I think there was like years and years and years ago. I think like some part of, like some Welsh took over Barbados. Right. But yeah, people don't expect me to look like what I look like, and I love that um, because it, it, yeah, yeah, it's just I don't know what people think street artists look like, but yeah, like yeah. I, I break that, so um, yeah, it's good. It's, yeah, it's, it's good. great. I, and I got to my advantage. <laughs> I, I, I've got to be honest; like, I fall into that same category. When I first looked at your work and then saw you as a person, I thought I did not think the two people would go hand in hand. Yeah. But it's nice because it's everything is, is a surprise, you know, yeah, in yeah. life. Um, so going, just talking about your journey, because being an art myself, not an artist, but promoting different artists, and also being, you know, in the we're not a gallery, but we're a private studio, but can't feel like a gallery. The most important thing for me, um, and I can only speak for myself, not my business partner or anyone else, but for me, the most important thing, it comes down to um, what's, what's the, uh, the artist's uh, story, the journey, um, what's their market doing, and what does their pieces look like? If I like their pieces, mm. if I like what their market's doing, and if I like their story, most importantly, I feel like they're the three pillars in order for me to sell as a salesperson and as someone really wants to become yeah. passionate to present your story very well to a collector or to an investor. This guy behind us, a guy called Richard Hamilton, looks like black smudge on a, on, a, on, a, on a canvas, but when you understand his story and understand what he's, got, he's gone through, you understand it's more than just you know a shadow figure on a on a on a on a canvas. So like with your story, Nathan, um, you mentioned about getting trouble with the, with the police and stuff. I kind of like like the controversial stuff because it factors in towards your work. So was there any other like hairy moments in your career, things that you know trials and tribulations, or things where you thought you know what well, I don't know if I'm cut out for the art world or anything like that? Um, yeah, loads of stuff. Um... Like, um, got, arrest, got, got arrested a few times. I like, got arrested in um, Croatia uh, a year ago. I uh, went to Outlook Festival. And um, it, was, it was me and my mate. Uh, yeah, we, uh, and we found like this, this mall, uh, an abandoned mall, loads of tags on it and uh, just painting it. And um, the police officer came and he didn't handcuff me, but he goes, oh, um, you've got your ID, uh, you know, you've got your driving license. So I gave my driving license. And then uh, you see that, and then he goes, oh yeah, man, you know, we've got to take you to the station. So yeah, I didn't get handcuffed, we just walked to the station. I couldn't, oh, I couldn't run off because I had my ladder and my bags. And this, this, this police guy was like some, just some old fat guy, so I could easily run out of here. But like, I was just like, you know what, hey, 
let's do this properly. So I went to the station and it, it, it was weird because I didn't get handcuffed and didn't get put in a cell either. Just literally sat in there, I think they the office rooms. So sat in there and they was asking me questions like, you know, what, what have you come to Croatia for? And I was like, yeah, I just come here for a festival. Um, while I was here, I just thought I'd do some artwork. Didn't want to paint in the street, so you're painting on this abandoned mall. And um, yeah, so about three and a half hours, three and a half hours later, I was out of the station and um, it was fine. And then it must have been like, so that was a year ago, and it must have been like, what, um, about a few months ago, like in July, I got a letter from the British Home Office saying, oh yeah, um, that, that when you got arrested in Croatia, they said, oh yeah, you've, um, they basically they, 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 they let you off. They, they, would, they wanted to put me in jail for two months, but they gave me a suspended sentence. Wow. Yeah, so uh, basically- close, close shave. Yeah, close shave. So they were like, yeah, man, um, don't commit any crime for one year. If you commit one crime- if Outside you, of yeah, Europe, you, yeah, or you outside know, of uh, UK. You basically, don't go Croatia for one year. That's what they were saying, don't go Croatia one year. So if I went to back Croatia and I committed a crime within the year, they would have put me in jail for two months. So it was a year, yeah, it was a year suspended sentence. Basically. Cool, so they had like a trial without you, basically. Yeah, man, I just got this letter. Like, I just got this letter, like, literally like sent to my yard. Because I, I totally forgot about it. I thought, yeah, man, that was like September 2018, <coughs> done. And then suddenly July 2019, got this letter with all this, like five page letter, with all this information saying, oh yeah, man, this is what happened, this and that. I was like, whoa, didn't expect that. <laughs> Is a bit more serious than you thought. Yeah, man, I just thought, you know, yeah, I just thought, you know, slap on the wrist, three and a half hours, they interviewed me for whatever, and left the country, done. But no, it was a bit more than that. Um, <laughs> so that taught me a lesson. Like, I've been paying abroad for years, different countries, but yeah, man, like, don't get caught abroad. Like, never really been caught abroad, always got away with it. But yeah, that time was, yeah, so that time was like, you know, um, receiving that letter was a bit shocking for me. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, just you know, stay positive, innit? Yeah. Stay strong. Yeah. Um, the, the, the thing is as well is uh, entrepreneurs or like even, f I'm into boxing or artists, you can't really buy into an entrepreneur, an artist or a, um, or a uh, let's say an athlete, unless they've got kind of a bit of a chaotic, slightly backstory because it makes them interesting and yeah. therefore you see their work interesting. Tomorrow I'm interviewing a guy called Alfie Best, who was a, well, he's a traveler, but he's amassed huge fortune, 400 million he's worth. Is Helicopters, it? got Bugattis, but really, really nice down to earth guy. And just like that traveler spirit, they're very loyal people. They're very religious people. They've got mm. a lot of ethics, a lot of morals, but they fucking work hard. But he too is skirted in between certain things probably back, back in back in his time to build up his massive company called Wildcrest Homes and just like artists I like to hear about their little stories because it just makes things fucking interesting yeah, so yeah. when you hang up a piece of art on the wall I can turn around and go yeah this artist I can tell you a story about him mm. and then I can tell my colleague and they go oh that was cool I want to buy a piece of art makes as well. it more celebrate wouldn't it exactly you know That's and right. I think their, yeah, their narratives yeah. are so important so where else have you painted outside of the UK uh, painted Philippines, Philippines, uh, yeah, Cambodia. Why? Why there? Um, so yeah, so um, back in the days when I was on job seekers, um, so right, yeah, so um, I got so much different stories, man. I've got loads. So all right, so 2012, uh, the beginning of that, um, obviously still <coughs> doing street art. So I've been doing street art for ten years. Um, so 2012 uh, January time, um, broke as hell on job seekers. 
And um, I'm waiting for the big moment. And uh, the big moment is um, The Apprentice. I was on The Apprentice, um, episode eight, series eight. And that was, that was, was yeah, that was aired on May, yeah, May 2012. How did you get that? There's uh, a guy called Kevin. Kevin used to run um, these, like, he used to run a uh, project called Urban Gentry and they used to be like street art tours. But they were like the, 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 the early street art tours. Do you know you get street art tours in Shoreditch now? Yeah. He was like one of the first dudes to set it up back in like 2010, 11. And then he, he's got links with media. So um, he was like, yo, dude, man, there's, there's gonna be an art documentary, call this number. Um, so I was like, all right, cool. So I called this number and I was like, hey, I've got your number from um, Kevin. Um, he said there's some sort of art documentary going on. And um, so, yeah, the woman was called Kate and she was like, yeah, all right, send me your email. I'm gonna send you a disclosure. I was like, all right, cool, man. So I gave him an email, she sent me a disclosure, I read it. She's like, yeah, don't tell no one about this, but this, this is gonna be The Apprentice. Um, Beautiful. But yeah, but I wasn't, at, at the time, she was like, all right, this is just a disclosure. You, 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 we don't know if you're gonna be on it yet. <coughs> we're gonna have to interview you, we're gonna have to meet you, see your vibe. This is just early days, but we're thinking about using you. <coughs> so I was on like a whole like list of different artists. You know, it, was just, it was me, it was, I was like one of the artists, one in like 30. So she had to pick what, what artist they're gonna use. So she came around my house and um, I showed her my artwork. Uh, she filmed me, had a little interview as well. And then she goes, all right, cool, man, I'll get back to you. So I said, oh, what are you, what are you doing for the rest of the day? Are you interviewing other artists? She goes, yeah, I'm just literally doing the whole rounds. So I was like, all right, cool, man. At least I know what, at least I know that right, I could make it, I might not. And uh, yeah, man, so she got back to me in a few days later and she goes, all right, cool. Obviously you're still not on the show yet, but you're, you, you, you're looking likely. So she interviewed other more artists and yeah, finally she's like, all right, you're gonna be on the show. And you as a person, you work? Ah, oh, just me, me as a person, me as a person and my work. So do you know when you got apprentice, you got like the, the contestants, the guys who wear the suits. So I was just Nathan Bowen myself. And the idea was they had to sell uh, my artwork and a couple of other artists that to go to my house and literally, literally like look, look at my artwork and decide whether they want to sell it in the gallery. That was the whole idea of the show. So the idea of the show was, it was called the Urban Art Challenge. So they'll come to the, each artist's house. So there was two teams and two artists on each team. So my team was called Team Sterling and I was with another artist called Pure Evil. I know Pure Evil, yeah. yeah so the show just uh, not too long ago with a, a company that, uh, we uh, do a little bit of business with called yeah. Distassi Art. So shout out to you lot. First time I've given you a little shout out to Mike Howes and then man. Um, but yeah, I know that art is pretty yeah, well. Yeah, so it was me and him on the show. Um, so he was on the same team. And then, so the idea was, yeah, they came around to my house and they had to look at my artwork and decide, <laughs> oh, are we gonna use Nathan Bowen for the, ne for the, for the next day to do the show? So the next day, the, um, it was a gallery show. So um, yeah, they went to my house, they interviewed me, they, they, they were filming this as well. All the camera crew come down and it was great. I was just like, oh, a whole new experience. I was like, wow. Did you man. see Alan Sugar? Not Alan Sugar, but I met Nick and Karen. Yeah. They, they come to my house as well. What was that like? That was nuts. Like, I had Nick and Karen. So Nick come around and he's like, oh, I've seen these before. Yes, I've seen these. I was like, man, <laughs> cool, bro. And then Karen was like, she come round and she was just like proper, I don't know, man, she's just proper up her own ass, mate. <laughs> like, yeah, she, yeah, like I think her zip was slightly undone on her dress. And um, she was zipping it up and my dad was just chilling in the living room. 
in my in my, uh, my dad in his own house. And she's like, oh, could you possibly leave the room, please? <laughs> Say that to my dad in his own house while she's getting a, a zip done up. So I thought that was jokes. But anyway, um, yeah, man. So like they, they, they filmed there. They, they come to my house and filmed it. And, um, in Catford? Yeah, yeah. And um, so they left my house and they goes, all right, um, we might give you a call in the next couple of hours to see if we're going to use you for the next mm. next, for the show. So this was like, no, this is literally the moment of make and break. I had to wait like three hours for this phone call. And um, so, yeah, um, this, is, this is at the time I was living with my parents. So we went out, we went out to Bromley, man, just did a bit of shopping. And then I come home, then my phone rang and it was like, it was the contestants. And they're like, hi, is this Nathan Bowen? And I was like, yeah, yeah, cool, man. Oh, yes, it's Team Sterling. We want to say, yeah, we'd like to use your work for the art show. Um, so yeah, so we're going to send a courier to make sure your, all your artwork is bubble wrapped and packed and the courier is going to come round round about midnight and they're going to take your artwork to the gallery. So you need to be in the gallery the next day for some more filming. So yeah, man, it was like, uh, um, so the, yeah, the courier come round. I said to the courier, I said, oh, yeah. and, and what year is this? Oh, this is 2000. So this, this was, this was um, they filmed it. Yeah, they filmed it. They, they filmed it 2011, uh, October, and they aired it 2012. So yeah, so like yeah, they filmed it 2011, aired it 2012. And is it this style still? Yeah, always this style, man. And um, yeah, so the the courier came round, and I was like, oh, so who's gonna be the next artist you know, with, with me on on the show? He's like, oh man, I, I can't tell you. I was like, oh really? And um, yeah, so the next day went to the show and found out it's pure evil. And um, yeah, so basically, man, they they aired that 2012, and then that changed my life. That made me like sell sell artwork for a living. Because before that, like I said, I was on job seekers, still doing art, but not knowing like whether to take my artwork to the next level as make a career out of it. So I was thinking, man, I, I this is before I was making art sales. This is when I was just doing street art and just just doing art. Yeah. So yeah, being on the apprentice just changed my life. It just gave me the ability to sell work full time. It's um, it's in moments actually because we as a, a brand as well. Again, we're not. A cool artist like you but we're trying to make our our name in the art scene and um, we might have cool artwork from richard hamilton and retina and futura and days and people like that but at the end of the day if you're not if you're the person selling it you need to be credible yourself as well as having credible art and what we try and do is obviously do have, give value by putting content out there uh, doing shows but most importantly trying to get into publications and we got into Vogue, Forbes, Huffington Post, Wall Street International, Mountain Lion, Evening Standard, list goes on. And when we hit those publications, it gives us validation to um, when clients look at us and say, is this company credible? Look them up. Oh, Forbes wrote about them. Yeah. Huffington Post wrote about them. Uh, Hypebeast wrote about them. And it's that it's that importance and it must be the same with you you're getting on an apprentice that's fucking cool like mm. really cool. one of the most watched programs in the whole of uk yeah, yeah so to get on there you can always leverage that and always lean on that for the rest of your life yeah yeah and that real, must man. be a good thing yeah it was good man it just changed my life because that luck i was smart um before i was in the apprentice i always had the nathan bowen art shop that was the website i had nathanbowenartshop.com <coughs> and I, I made that december 2011 <coughs> so so, so yeah, I always had the, the the pre idea of trying to sell work online. So when the when the when the Apprentice got aired in 2012 May, when I was watching it, I was like I had my laptop there. I was like, all right, I was looking at my admin page on my website. 
And man, people were just buying pieces like that. Boom, boom, boom. Because it was a time of, of, it was the time when it was the Queen's Golden wow. Jubilee. 2012, Queen's Golden Jubilee. And that's when I did the, the beef eaters, the, the cold stream guards with the Union Jack, with the bare skin hats. That's when I invented, that's the year I invented that character. And, that, and that's the character that was shown in The Apprentice. And uh, yeah, that's, and luckily it was all timing. It was the Queen's Golden Jubilee uh, uh, birthday as well. So people were just loving the Union Jack. The, star, the stars aligned. Yeah, man. So yeah, you know, and um, he, he worked well. He just, he just fitted in perfectly. So uh, yeah, since then, just been selling art since 2012. So, so you literally saw your, your like Shopify, your, your shop front, your PayPal just go ding, 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 ding. Like yeah, as, yeah. yeah because, because of that. Yeah, yeah. People just asking for commissions. And, and, and was it the, the Union Jack style ones that, which were flying? Yeah, people love the Union Jack styles. Um, obviously, the builders were selling, but the, it's mainly the Union Jack character. How, you know, you've you got like the, the bearskin hat character, always serious and doesn't, he doesn't move. So with my characters, I've sort of given them personality. You've got, you know, you've got the bear skin hat with the Union Jack on. You know, they've got their famous uh, pose and that. But yeah, these guys, you need to remember these guys because their job's hard. They're in, that, they're in that suit all day, every day. Imagine, like, remember the time it was 37 degrees uh, a few months ago in summer? Them guys are probably still out there. They weren't wearing t-shirts. They weren't still the bear skin hat. Like, yeah. whoa, man, props to them. You know what I mean? I don't know how they dealt with that. Yeah. Like, guys are mentally up there, you know? So, uh, yeah, man. So yeah, uh, um, I, I, I do those characters and I do the social characters just to remind people of like, you know, don't forget about these guys, man. You've got your day-to-day -day life, things you see, but don't forget about the soldiers who are out there. Don't forget these bad, these guys, man. These guys are a major part of London, major part of the world, isn't it? So They're yeah, iconic. and the builders, and the builders, man. Can't forget about the builders. <laughs> it's so funny the how you made this. I used to be a builder, I used to do roofing. We made yeah. that, but everyone forgets about the builder. Everyone looks at the rapper and forgets about the producer but a producer makes more money than a rapper, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's those little things I think about. It's so funny because you've gone from um, a soldier outside Buckingham Palace, for example, with the traditional bear hat and everything else, yeah. who is soulless a bit, and, yeah. they're just and they're just marching up and down, and you've got a builder. So I'm glad you actually came onto this because I was finding the perfect route to get to this subject. Yeah. Your characters. How did you come up with them? Why did you come up with them? Like a builder, like why a builder? I, I get yeah. I get why because you just said it, but yeah. why why a builder and why a Buckingham Palace soldier? Yeah, so originally the uh, the, the characters they originally um, they're, they're known as demons. Um, so originally uh, back in the day, it was of 2007 when I was doing that sketch in Falaraki. It was all about um, I was trying to do like a comic book. Uh, the comic book series was about uh, a demonic character who used to live on Earth, then he died and he got sent to hell and he became half man, half demon. And he was called afterlives, you know, the, your afterlife, whether you live in heaven or hell. So that all tied in with my university project. So the demons originally used to be green. They used to be like, like they used to be a lot more figurative, a lot more, a lot more like, yeah, demonic hellish characters, darker, gorier. And I decided to drop all that darkness because it was going to get me nowhere on the street. And I decided to sort of mix this character with Builder. So I was on a building site. Um, it must have been 2009. I split up with my ex-missus at the time. And my mind just expanded. And I, sat, I remember I was sitting down at the building site. And um, from going out a lot in central London, my mates, my mate driving his van. We used to set up sound systems and stuff. So I used to go in his van. 
I used to see loads of building sites. And I was like, man, like, these, these building sites are doing nothing. They've got crappy graph on them or old fly posters on them. I'm going to just go back and rip them off and do some artwork on it. Didn't really think about the idea of promotion. It was just wanted somewhere to paint. I didn't want to paint at home because uh, my mum's kicking off. So I'm like, yeah, I want to just get out of the house and paint in the street. But I don't want to get nicked. So yeah, it was just going about London, seeing these walls. And I remember being on the building site. I was on a building site and I was like, how can I mix artwork with the building work? You know, what, what, what's, the, what's the connection? So I had my demon character and I thought, all right, make this, instead of making, make, leaving it green, I'll make it white, neutral. And um, I'll, yeah, give it a hard hat and a high vis. And that's how I came up with the builders. And it went from the builders to the soldiers, to the bearskin hat, to the astronaut, to the grandma character, to the tribal demon, to you know, all sorts of demons, firemen. So yeah, so now all these demons represent, they're like a, represent, they represent like sub, they're like subhumans. Yeah. They represent humans, but another version of humans, you know what I mean? Yeah, and what I liked what you said about, especially the uh, bear's hat soldier, yeah. is um, they have no life. It appears, they obviously do the human, but yeah, yeah. you bring them back to life with the rawness of the uh, scribble art. Yeah. And, and also just, just, just the way they are. What I really like, like when it's, I'm very positive. I, every uh, third post on my Instagram is a, is, a, is a quote, which I just take from someone else's and take them in it and give them credit. And I, I, I believe whatever you put out to the world, you're gonna get back. Yeah. So I like to put out very positive thoughts, positive quotes, yeah, positive, yeah. you know, content. And therefore I'm hoping, which most of the time I do, I get it back. Yeah. So on the front of some of yours, it says, are you inspired or be inspired? Yeah. Which I loved because it, it, it drew me towards your pieces. What made you want to do that, like that centerpiece? Yeah, it was, um, so it was like, um, I used to be a youth worker working with uh, young people. And uh, one of my youth leaders, um, I, I, was, I, was, I was doing some artwork and um, I, I did a character and the character just had an arrow. That character was holding a banner and had an arrow. And then um, my, youth, my, youth, my youth worker said, oh, why don't you, instead of you having an arrow on, on, your, on, on the banner, why don't you write something? You know, like, are you inspired? And I was like, yeah, okay. And I, was, and I thought about it and I thought, yeah, that's a good idea because, you know, are you inspired? People could read that and they could ask themselves that, are they inspired? And so, yeah, it was my youth worker that influenced me to do that. So, I, yeah, I pursued that idea from her. Yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks to her, decided to do that. That's good. And um, galleries or, let's say, because, um, again, thinking about your artwork on the street yeah, and thinking about different street artists, it's a bit of a gateway where it's marketing on the walls. Mm. You've got your social media channels. You've got your online uh, website and you've got all these kind of mediums in order to promote your work or a gateway to sell work. But what about the conventional way, like galleries or art agencies? Have you ever explored that? Um, so when, when, I, when, I, when I first like, was starting to do artwork, I, um, people were saying to me, yeah, man, you should try like an online portfolio. So I used to go on Google and look for art agencies, send them some emails like, yo, I'm an artist, this is my work. Is there any way you could help me out? What's the next, any way you could like, give me some sort of direction? And they, were, they, were, they didn't care. They were, they were always like, yeah, man, you, you sort of like, you know, we, we sort of look for the artists we want. <coughs> it doesn't really work like that. You, doesn't, you don't really send works to us, we look for you. 
So I was, I was sort of like discouraged by that. So I was like, oh, you know what? Like, forget these galleries, man. Like, I'm just gonna just do artwork in the street because I use the streets as a gallery. People see it, it's free. People don't feel intimidated to go in there. It's a smart move, man. Yeah. Because this is, I mean, look, I, I'm not saying it's gonna lead like to, we're gonna like hit hit their hit their big heights, but you never know. We could like because of this conversation now, I'm gonna pull it out to the yeah. the world. I'm not saying I've got loads and loads of followers, but there is a following. And as soon as people watch it on the Woodby House portfolio, or sorry, on their uh, channels, put it on my channel, maybe across the Mimboso one, someone might pick it up and go, you know what, this fucking guy's cool. I'm gonna buy a bit of artwork, and then that can manifest into something else. So I think you're right. Just getting your work out there by any stretch. I think it's important. Yeah, yeah. So you got a bit put off with the typical typical galleries? Yeah, man, they, was, they didn't really care. They just did not care. So I was just, that, that gave me like, when, you know, when, when I get treated like that, that gives me drive to think, you know what, yeah, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna do my thing. Yeah. It was like when I was in sixth form, um, when, I was in my, when I was in my final, I was in my first year of the a le AS level, um, I, I had like two art teachers and a graphics teacher and I went to one of my, my art teachers what do you think about me getting to St Martin's a year early because you know you've got to do the whole two years of AS level what do you think about getting St Martin's uh, a year early I said to him one of them was like yeah you could do it yeah you just got to keep your ideas original keep your artwork really like different they don't want, they don't want to see the same old classical art they want to see art with imagination feeling creativity yeah. yeah so i was like cool man oh, i get that and some of my other artists i was like what do you think i'll be getting say mine's a year early she's like no chance no way you, you will not do it you ain't doing it i was like all right cool like i was like all right sweet and i absorbed that i took it in and i made me get it gave me more drive to think you know what i'm gonna do this so i spent the mornings just doing artwork at the time i was living at home shared a shared a room with my brother so my brother i wake up in the morning my, my brother wake up late so while I was asleep, I will just like literally sit down and just draw him while he was sleeping. Sounds weird, but it was cool because like, um, yeah, I, I always showed him the picture after. I was like, buff, while you're sleeping, man, there's a picture of what you were, there's a picture of you I did. And I always- Same, same style? Um, no, it was more like, it's more like that kind of style. Like, yeah, it's just more, um, it's more like fine art, traditional art style. Using like old, old pastels, uh, old pastels, uh, and using different colors, like oranges and, on yellows, instead of using black. And yeah, so I built a whole portfolio of these still life drawings. Okay. And boom, man, talking to St. Martin's, got, got the interview, you know, got, got the interview good. and got in. And bang, it was like, yo, man, I got in and teachers couldn't believe it. And man, I was out of that school. I was out of that school, starting my new career. Do you, ever say to, do you ever say anything to the, the tutor, to the teacher said to you, you're never gonna get there? Well, now. Did you well, ever turn around to her, yeah, and go, yeah, yeah man. Um, yeah, I was just like, yeah. I showed her. I was like, yeah, and I got in. She's like, oh, yeah. So the, obviously, my, my the teacher that supported me. She's like, oh, lovely. You know, it's absolutely lovely. <laughs> oh, you're well done. I knew you. Damn it, I knew it. And then um, the other teacher, she's just like, she just couldn't believe it. She's like, oh, you did it. Like, Bit yeah, reserved. Yeah, she didn't like me, man, because at the time, man, yeah, we was like, I was like, you know, thinking about it, like 16, 17 year old, sixth form. We weren't really listening to the teachers, you know, just, we, had, we had like, you know, period breaks, smoking weed in the woods and stuff. So he was coming to class lean. So yeah, the, uh, this teacher didn't like uh, my, my attitude, which I don't blame her. Um, but I always did the work, but she just didn't like my attitude. She's like, oh yeah, he comes in, comes in late. 
you know, he's a joker that of the class. It. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't, I didn't care. I was just doing art. I thought, this is art, man. This is an art class. This, this is how, how supposed to wipe down. Yeah, it stimulates your mind, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I, I had RE, I had maths. Now I'm doing art. That's just time for me to enjoy myself. I didn't want to make art corporate. So yeah, that was my way of like, yeah, just doing art in school. But obviously that teacher, Mrs. Harris, um, yeah, she's, yeah, she weren't really, she weren't supporting, man. You know, she weren't supporting me. But it was Miss McNair, the positive one. And she was like, yeah, man, you could do it. I know you could do it. And she, yeah, she was great. She was like a mother. Good. Because we did art trips. And we, you know, whenever I was doing, when I was in art trips, and she, you know, she, was, she, she did get upset whenever, whenever I smoked weed in art trips. Because she was like, oh, I knew this student. He smoked weed and it ruined his life. She cared about me. And she's like, I don't want you to ruin your life. You know, I don't want you to smoke weed and ruin your life. And so, so she just genuinely cared about me, you know. And I really did appreciate that. You know, a teacher that actually cared about my well-being. It was, for her, she didn't, it wasn't just a career for her or making money. She actually cared about our students. And, and yeah, like, you know, when I said to her, yo, would you think about me going to St. Martin's? She was totally on that and I rate that. Um, so yeah, whether she's alive to this day, man, like, you know, yo, Miss McNair, if you're out there, man, you was a great help for me in, in school days. So yeah. Um, it just shows them small bits of uh, information from people yeah. that are, you know, a bit more older and a bit more influential. They can yeah, they man. can last for a lifetime. Yeah, Mr. So, McNair. So important to treat everyone with kind of respect and uh, support. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't see these. You, don't, you know, you don't see these when you're a kid in it. You don't see them. You don't really think about the, the future in it. You think about the here and now or like the the, the small future. You don't think about the big future. Uh, yeah. So I think it's important, like you know us as adults now, we've got to tell the youth that, yo, kids, man, think about, don't think about the immediate future. Think about like, the further future. Um, so yeah, so that's why, like for me now, I always try and influence people to do art or be creative, uh, you know, especially like be themselves, man. Yeah. Um, don't, 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 don't get sucked in all this internet stuff, validation, like you're saying, you know, try, trying to go on Instagram just to validate likes and all that. Just, do things for the real reason. Do things because you enjoy them. Don't do things because it's, it's cool. Don't do it because it's cool. Do it because you want to bloody do it. Yeah. I think there needs to be more people on this planet like you because even when you got um, pushed back or someone said negative things towards you or you had the the hairy moments where things could have got, gone a bit wrong, yeah. you said you've absorbed it you owned it and then used it as fuel how important do you think that is not just being an artist but an because you are an entrepreneur um some that is a um a go-getter how important is it that challenges defeats setbacks uh problems they will arise like everybody has them how mm. important is it for you to absorb them as you said and then move on forward yeah very important man because uh you know as as you know, as, as as people get bigger in their career, they get a lot more. They get a lot more like they get successes, but they get a lot of haters as well. Um, that's what I've learned over the years now. Like when I first started out, didn't really get much haters, but now like doing all sorts of art jobs. Um, like I did an art job for Charing Cross Police Station. Um, that was on a Sun newspaper. Got enough haters for that from the graph community because they're like, oh yo, bro, why are you paying for police for? It's like, dude, grow up, man. Grow up, bruv, because like, if your mum got burgled, she'd be ringing the police. And your ass would be around her house, talking to police, trying to investigate what happened. 
So don't give, don't, don't try and all these graphers trying to make out, trying to be cool, trying to be, trying to be anti, anti, what it is, people trying to be anti-establishment, you know? And it's like, so these guys are trying to come for me, um, as in like, yo, bruv, you work for police, you're a snitch, you're this and all that. And I'm like, yo, what? so yeah, I take that negativity and I just make more artwork. And if they want to come around in my work, come around in my work, because I just, I just come back and mean it up again, again and again. Because my mode is rinse and repeat. You want to come vandalize my stuff? That's cool, bro. Because I'll just come back and go over it again and again. I never will stop. Because that is my job. You know, I, 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 people make a certain height in life. You've cool. got, you got to know how to maintain it. Yeah. That's what it's about. You get to that stage where you're high. How do you maintain it? And that's what it's about. Maintenance, man. That's good, man. I've only got five more minutes left. Cool, man. So um, uh, two more questions, really. What advice would you give anyone getting into art for the first time? Young little pup looking up to you, listening to this podcast interview, watched it on YouTube and thought, you know what? Nathan Bowen's inspired me, <laughs> not only because of the work as it says it, but it literally got inspired. What other bits of advice would you give them? Or even an entrepreneur, not looking to get into art, but pursuing their own career? Um, yeah, I mean, entrepreneur trying to see career. Yeah, I'll, I'll say like, you know, keep at it and... Um, Again, it all, it all boils down to like, you know, make, thinking about your ideas out of the box. Use Instagram, but try and think beyond Instagram. Everybody's like, yo, man, I'm going to make an Instagram account and hopefully I'll make it. Though, try and think beyond Instagram, uh, beyond, beyond the internet. Try and be like organic. That's how I did with my artwork, just doing stuff in the street and recognizing that streets is the gallery. So anyone that wants to try and pursue their career in art, I say, yo, man, Think out of the box, take it to the streets. Um, yes, that's, that's my advice for anyone that's trying to do sort of like any sort of art affiliated career stuff. Perfect. Um, yeah, and also like, if you want to make it on a hustle, like, you know, I, I do face painting uh, at Carnival just, just for a laugh. And uh, that's just the figures? No, I mean, you I do just, it. I mean, like, yeah. I, do, I do the figures sometimes, but it's mainly with Carnival, it's mainly like, uh, like glitter, um, sort of like, you know, sort of like neurotypical like images like you know, hearts and stars but i do that for the fun of it because when i go carnival i don't want to just wander around for four hours doing nothing i'll i can make a bit of pocket money um so yeah i bring my crew so yeah man any sort of hustle people want to do just think outside the box don't think don't do things by the book good man that's it don't do it by the book do it your way and that's how you get far i do it my way you do it your way that's it <laughs> Good man. The last thing I want to say is my catchphrase on my uh, podcast, my quote is be happy, never content. Yeah. Try and live by that. I used to run sales teams, I still do. I've got a sales company just down the road. And when you've got 25, 30, 40 people on the sales floor, predominantly men, it's all about morale and it's all about getting the best version out of them and it's about hitting targets yeah. and yeah, making yeah. a success for yeah. yourself. Be happy, never content is almost like be happy for your opportunity. Be happy to what you've achieved, so gratitude. Yeah. But never content. Go on and achieve more. If I were to say to you, be happy, never content, Nathan, what is Nathan's Bowman's version of be happy, never content? Um, yeah, so my version is, uh, yeah, just do what you do, man. Like, do what you do, whether it's like uh, for the money or not. Do it because it's inside of you and stick with that. So like, whether it's, you know, it's not all about making the money, but it's all about just 
get in your get in your creativity you do boxing so that's your buzz man you, know, you do that and that that's that that's your mind stimulated that is you set for the day but I, I like exercising i like doing burpees when i do my burpees i'm like yo man like cool i don't care about this, uh, the, the way i look like i'm or i'm ripped and shit no i, I care about my, my mental state and my mental state from doing those burpees is is, is pure Pure stimulation, man. So yeah, man, it's all about just doing the things you do because it's in you and you enjoy it. Um, and you know, let, let, let the money chase you. Don't chase the money, let the money get you. Good man. That's what I say. Nathan, thank you very much. And what I love about this podcast, especially new um, interviewees, I didn't know who was gonna walk through that door. I knew it was Nathan Bowen, of course, and it yeah, was you, yeah. but I didn't know what kind of conversation we're gonna have today. And trust me, like it's, yeah. been, it's been fucking good. And I, I've cool, man. really, uh, admire you admire your work and I, I know you're going to be in a in a completely different space in five or ten years from now because i know the art market's going to recognize you as being that person and and, yeah. and, and jump on your work and your vision so uh, thank you very much bro cheers man thank you god bless and uh be happy never content hope everyone got some value from that this is out next wednesday or the wednesday after <laughs> yeah, right nice one fun. yeah cheers man